0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to episode number 22 of our multi part series involving a thorough consideration of the 18th chapter of the Book of the Revelation. In our previous studies, we have seen why both God and the nations would wish to see an end times Babylon the Great destroyed. We also now know that it can be done, and we saw last time how it can be done. In this study, we will, by virtue of an incident dubbed Operation Abel Archer, and several other incidents, along with some interesting side notes, be given hair-raising examples of how the USA has already come dangerously close to being exterminated in exactly the same manner as that called for in John's Revelation, Chapter 18. Our text is the book, Judgment Day, Volume 1. Prelude to Armageddon, Part 1. The United States of America in Bible Prophecy. I am Erica, and, I will be your narrator. Operation Abel Archer. Sometime around November 1983, NATO conducted a primarily paper only exercise code named Able Archer. During this time, the US came dangerously close to being hit by USSR nuclear weapons, at least twice. This exercise is, or was, documented in detail in an online video dubbed 1983, The Brink of Armageddon. Only a few pieces of communications equipment were ever deployed during the whole of the exercise as communications, an annual, routine procedural exercise, was the chief concern of NATO at that time. Knowing that the Russians would be and in fact were closely monitoring and listening in, as they always did whenever NATO conducted such joint mock operations, they made it as realistic as they possibly could. Unbeknown to NATO officials, however, the Russians were in a dangerously different frame of mind on this occasion. Out of kelter with normal protocol, A nervous Soviet Kremlin led by KGB Chief Andropov watched as usual, only this time weighing, regarding, and taking every word they heard seriously, always waiting anxiously in virtual hope that German spy Rainer Rupp, codenamed Topaz, would bring them word of an imminent nuke attack. In keeping with Soviet doctrine and determination never to be the first to shoot, in response to even the slightest fear realized, the USSR had prepared, on the other hand, and were well able to return the favor. Throughout the innocence of an otherwise fictitious event, the Kremlin kept a trembling finger poised over the button that could unleash an all-out counteroffensive that would have obliterated the United States. CIA operatives were quite able to keep tabs on much of Russia's activities and equipment positions and such but were hopelessly unaware of and therefore unable to gauge fully the extent of the Soviet mental state, or, the depth of their paranoia. Thus, When the Allies concluded the exercise with a celebration to mark its success, they did so unwittingly on a Russian holiday. Big mistake? What they did not know was that all the while, the Soviets during those Cold War years had prepared and nervously guarded an actual retaliatory barrage of over 300 missiles. Some of these were squadrons of MIRVs, each having 10 individual warheads, each warhead targeted on a particular American city. Although the Russian mole had reported to the Soviets that no such attack was forthcoming by NATO, the exercise called for deployment and launch of a Mach-350 missiles. The Kremlin mindset stipulated that if the US were going to assault them militarily with nukes, it would likely be on the eve of some holiday, when people were relaxed, out celebrating. The 3rd of November 83 was the eve of Revolution Day in Russia, hence they anxiously anticipated a US attack. Herein lay the root of Soviet paranoia. The missiles targeting us are said to have been very, very precise, each having the power and explosive force of 150 of the bombs dropped on Hiroshima. The devastation, per Soviet analysis from officials interviewed after the 1991 Soviet collapse, would have been total. This, according to the report, was the second time or one of several Russian misinterpretations and or equipment malfunctions during the exercise that brought the world to the verge of Armageddon. Prior to this second false potential trigger, a communications gaffe occurred between a Russian satellite charged with detecting and monitoring the launches of enemy ICBMs namely those from the U.S. Three times the system computer sounded the alarm, per signal from the malfunctioning satellite. That signal indicated that a nuclear attack was underway. Although it was a false alarm, it was the perfect excuse for a blistering, deadly counterattack on the United States of America. Twice the officer in charge, going on wisdom gained from experience and gut feeling, chose to ignore the computer, disabling it the first time, disabling it and alerting his superior the second time, only to have the system alarm sound a third time, while the superior was on the phone. It turns out that, the satellite had been tricked by high-flying clouds that reflected sunlight into its sensors, leading it to signal that a launch of five nukes was underway, each headed for the USSR. That officer, Lieutenant Colonel Stanislav Petrov, was later relieved of his duties and kicked out of the army. It seems, the Soviets would have preferred to have launched a nuke counter-offensive, even though, clearly, none was warranted. On another note, A gentleman named Robert Bud McFarlane, one of the American higher-ups and an advisor to Ronald Reagan during those days, counseled the president to withdraw his participation in the operation. To his credit, Mr. Reagan yielded to Mr. McFarlane's recommendation. All the other NATO heads of state followed suit. Had they not done so, it is feared, the Russians might most assuredly have gotten the idea that they were actually under attack, just by Reagan's involvement. Thus a third possible trigger for World War III was narrowly averted. Thankfully, the exercise was carried to a successful conclusion using military aids as surrogates for NATO chiefs. Should a nuke exchange begin, the Russians fully expect that the US will not begin with only one or a few, it will be with a debilitating, massive attack, involving hundreds of ICBMs and warheads. As shown above, should they feel the need to respond or to go on the offensive, they will likewise do so with a devastating, overwhelming force employing hundreds of missiles and warheads. As of January 16, 09, an online document titled Russia to Retain MIRVED ICBMs Beyond Start 2 Deadline, including SS-18s and SS-24s, dated August 28, 2002, taken from Jane's Defense Weekly, compiled by Nikolai Novichkov, JDW correspondent, Moscow the following was true of Russia's ICBM arsenal. 154 SS-18, Satan, heavy ICBMs, liquid-fueled RS-20V the Soviet reporting name, and 36 SS-24, Scalpel, ICBMs, Combat Rail Mobile Missile Complexes, RMMCs, with RS-22V. 190 missiles X-10 equals 1900 warheads each independently retargetable, after launch. Each of these missiles carries 10 MIRV warheads. The Satan can haul up to 30. All of which were to have been dismantled and destroyed by now. Total phase-out was to have been 2003. Elimination was to have been in 2007. Word is, Russia will at this time not follow through on its original disarmament objective until 2016. START two expired in 2012. Supposedly the same year it takes effect. The Russians have threatened to re if Bush, as he did, withdrew from the 1972 ABM Treaty. START II never required destruction of Soviet nuke warheads, despite Bush assurances the US would dismantle and destroy. Russia has a well-established track record for arms control treaty violations. The Kremlin may still have on hand, its original stockpile of 6,000 warheads, while the US has, perhaps foolheartedly, followed through on its promise to destroy everything it took out of service this may have been the basis for the us military's prognosis and worry which called for a major terrorist initiative on us soil by 2013 thank god that as of today the 11th of september 2021 no such event has occurred it also helps to explain the apparent madness of the bush era missile defense shield aimed at middle eastern terror threats in iran while the shield sits in moscow's front yard Trained in the Kremlin's face, as opposed to sitting more sensibly in Israel, for instance, trained in Tehran's face, on Mahmoud Ahmadinejad note, as of 5 March 2014, he is no longer in power. By itself, an all-out terrorist attack might accomplish little sustainable, over the long haul. Backed by a swift blanket of hemp generators with an immediate follow-up of strategically placed atmospheric MIRVs, the consequences could be potentially not only as hot as hell, but eternally damning, exactly in accord with God's plans for Babylon the Great. Almost 2,000 strategic points can be hit simultaneously by what, in 1983, amounted to slightly less than two-thirds of its arsenal of warheads, trained on and ready for launch toward American targets. In recent years, Russia has sailed ships of war through the Panama Canal, It has landed long range bombers in South America. These apparently retaliatory moves into this hemisphere could significantly shorten potential strike times. In the event of a pre emptive first move on the US, certainly, this reverse saber rattling does anything but ease a very dangerous situation and precedent set by the Bush Shield. This is not good. Thus, it is only reasonable to assert that it is highly unlikely that anyone launching this type of an assault would ever be content to leave it at that. Per the biblical mandate and model, there will quite likely be an immediate follow up attack to ensure that she never rises again. A wave of internal attacks by strategically placed Muslim terrorist cells armed with portable, dirty bombs, hemp, and HPM devices, manned by millions from the ranks of the 12 million illegals here already, but who cannot be fully accounted for. Also, worthy of note, the Russians obviously have in the past been more than cautious in their dealings with the Americans. Today it might be said of them that they may well be now, cautiously optimistic, thanks to the friendship and business dealings cultured with the reckless, restless, irrational and implacable Muslim, whose eagerness to kill himself could easily shelter, and spare the Russians' limited forces. In addition to follow-up hemp, these embedded Arabic forces may well provide a diversion of attention, resources and a manpower from within our shores. Using HPM, dirty bombs in suitcases and or other conventional weapons of mass destruction such as thermobaric bombs thereby providing unobstructed access to the space directly above the US over Kansas thus indeed as forecast by God almighty himself in the book of the apocalypse it is entirely possible and quite probable that the world's most influential most prosperous nation in the end times can and will be brought down well within a 1 hour time frame never to rise again The United States of America, the Apocalypse's Babylon the Great. No matter who the evangelical, fundamentalists in their ignorance choose to think Babylon the Great is, the fact is, the sum of all the elements per the profile given in the book of the Apocalypse point to only one entity, our very own United States. As we have seen, the proof exists and is now in the pudding. A great and powerful force, widely scattered or dispersed can indeed be easily, completely annihilated in our lifetime, in just one hour. Thanks to the mismatch between the reality of EMP and our military's heavy reliance on weapons controlled by electronics, often built from over-the-counter, consumer parts that were not designed to withstand EMP, for the first time it is feared that all our armed forces could be completely destroyed on foreign and home soil, by the very thing that was supposed to give us the edge, over the enemy, and a sister evil in HPM. High-powered microwave weapons portable, short-range but dangerous non-nuclear devices that work like hemp's, albeit, on the ground. Handwriting on the wall. A nation in grave, grave danger. Hence, it might very well be argued that, as Babylon the Great, we are by the will and the foreordination of the Lord God Almighty, a people and a nation in grave, grave danger, and that not because of the Muslim or the Russian, as they are in fact, the least of our worries. Knowing his predetermination as we stand strong, towering over the global landscape readied for, but not anticipating, his impending fury, we are like a people having been served a single dose of double jeopardy. We are living blissfully, carelessly in a house of cards each card being made of glass, strong yes, yet no less brittle and frail. There is nowhere to run, no way of escape, no leg to stand on. The proverbial handwriting is unambiguously written upon the walls of our times, although in truth she was weighed in the balances and found wanting long before even the Mayflower in the mind and plan of God. Contrary to Stevie Wonder brand theology, she will be denied the relative blessing of bad luck stretched over seven years, as rather the world by her downfall is introduced to a horror, concentrated so as to fit within a calamity compressed, squeezed furiously into a messy space of less than sixty minutes' duration. One cannot stress enough that, her fall is in no wise intended to be a mere moment of defeat and international humiliation it will be thorough, it will be complete, it will be final, whatever she may be able to do to prolong her life will, in the end, not be enough. She will not be able to ever fully recover. She this modern-day Nimrod, who set herself up as a hunter of men, in stark opposition to the express will of God, serving herself at the expense of the Almighty, All while proclaiming to the world that she is a people of God will never foment the support needed to facilitate the survival of the better part of whatever remains of her 300 million people. This, per the will of Almighty God. In addition, one might like to suggest that ours is a nation to be used as bait, whose destruction is to serve as phase one of a wake up call to the world around it, so that multitudes will be saved. Phase two is reserved for the Russo Arab EU Federation to be destroyed after it per the prophet Ezekiel, themselves bait which will likely stand before the world crediting themselves with the victory over the Americans, until God cuts them down, also without mercy, upon the mountains of Israel, so thick and so deep is his disgust with the sight of our Babylon, he will not even seek the recognition for her demise. Rather, contrary to the teaching of some high-profile leaders among evangelicals and fundamentalists who teach and advocate a return to a Christian root structure, that in fact never existed one cannot but concur that ours is like a nation conceived and built for destruction from its founding. See the sidebar below. For such a time as this. P. 171. Dead men walking. This effectively reduces a so-called Christian nation to a par not much greater than that of dead men walking. Like the Russians of today. Like the Egyptians, of antiquity. Like Nebuchadnezzar. It is caught within the inescapable, intentionally stifling clasp and damning embrace of an angry God, with no possible hope of ever being delivered. Having served their purpose, as part of his earthbound, balancing act, by which he kept things in check, during these latter years in which the proofs for all of his claims were developed and brought to fruition, it is an arrogant, proud, puffed-up, self-serving, self-centered nation, in his eyes, fit only for destruction. Proofs are the way markers and signs of our times by which men may look, validate and verify the credibility of his word. With preachers on every corner, crawling from under every stump, there is no cry for this Babylon the great to return. No concern that she should repent, so as to be saved only a warning to whatever saints may be within her, or affiliated with her from without, to the effect that her plight will be theirs, should they not take stock of themselves, in light of his word the Bible, and therewith, Distinguish themselves, separating completely from all her ideals and ideologies, her wrong theological and spiritual persuasion. Tough to imagine, is it not? Hard to envision that so brutal an end awaits the greatest nation ever. Yet history shows, and not a day goes by that we are not reminded that the same cravings and yearnings that drove the often savage wars of antiquity, in a world where God is neither embraced nor welcomed, still persist and govern the hearts of world leaders at this hour what is yours, is mine. I don't like you, for whatever the reason, you are in my way now, but as soon as I am able, no matter the cost, I will attack and either reduce you to servitude under me, or I will destroy you. Soon, God will pull back his hand, at which point America's adversaries will give cruel vent to years of pent-up frustration and relentless anger as they unleash a crippling hemp strike followed up by a burning inflicted by an all-out nuclear attack that will ensure that America, in ashes to the supreme satisfaction and delight of all of heaven will never rise again. From fiction to fact, although it was spun like fantasy and for two thousand years resembled an intellectual syndrome symptomatic of an overclocked mind's eye, carrying a weight no greater than that of an imaginary tale, the revelation of Jesus Christ is not the stuff of science fiction. As it joins ranks with all end times Bible prophecy from both the Old and New Testaments, predating either practical science or its nemesis in fiction by up to 2,500 years, its 18th chapter relates a God devised, God sanctioned threat that is very much real. The extreme danger of a hemp laydown, HPM strike to this country is equally as much imminent. Since the opening of Pandora's box and the dropping of the first fruits thereof, The world's only remaining superpower in Babylon the Great, not Babylon, Iraq, has been strong, yes, yet no less naked to its core. She is by no means impregnable, consider 9 11, per the Trojan horse affair. By expose of its well formed, now vulnerable, tender Achilles heel, the greatest of them all is at this very moment, having been for the past 38 years or so very much susceptible to being brought down, and, She will be brought down hard, in the biblically mandated span of only one hour. She will collapse, drenched, as if showered in blood brought by, rains dropped, but, straight out of hell itself. In this way, God will see to it personally that these United States of America, will forever cease to be. Herein then, for the inquiring mind. Lies the best explanation as to why she cannot be found on either side of the spectrum during the relentless, overwhelming Russian orchestrated and led European, Muslim assault upon Israel, according to the prophet Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39, detailed in the book Judgment Day, volume 1, Prelude to the Armageddon, part 2, Israel catapulted to global superpower, also by this author. It also explains why, following the third global war in the opening chapters of the Revelation, Chapter 6. The melting pot. Jewel of the white man's world will not exist. As, Babylon the great. Number 2. Will have been reduced to rubble and ashes. On its way down to the everlasting lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 to 15. By way of a millennial hell. Luke chapter 16 verses 23 to 31. Revelation chapter 20 verses 5, 6b. But, wait. All of this begs the $64,000 question how? As the world's only remaining superpower, having no peer, Babylon the Great should be virtually impregnable, should she not? Having surveyed the mechanics of her destruction, what are we missing? How would you slip the mechanism of death over the borders of her periphery and into her gates, undetected? How do you get around or suppress her strength to overcome what should be formidable obstacles undergirding her homeland security? So, as to humble one such as she, in only one hour? The answer may be shocking, but with a fifth column, Trojan horse mentality, it can most assuredly be done. Sidebar number 1 Hell bent blessed of God. Consider carefully Israel promised great blessing, yet not allowed to forget her pig headed, stubborn nature. The life of Samson, chosen of God before his birth, a rebel like his people throughout all of his life, submitting only in the waning moments and, Solomon the king, loved of God and lavished with power, wealth and knowledge to the point of excess, warned of that same God of his impending failure to reciprocate, albeit, in psychological but no uncertain terms, lost on the smartest man to ever live. Sidebar Number 2. Savior, of the World. Stanislav Petrov's heroics went on display only three weeks after the Soviets ordered the downing of flight number 007 a Korean jetliner carrying 269 people, including Americans and a US congressman, killing all on board. In view of the facts, the Kremlin nervously expected a full military reprisal from the United States. The entire Soviet system was thrown onto a hair-trigger alert. Practically anything could have set them off. Three major events during those days almost did. Colonel Petrov, saved the world from one of them. Sidebar number three. A prophet, without honor. Although never officially rewarded by his own country, since doing so would have been admission of fault, demanding punishment of top scientists and engineers responsible for the Soviet early warning system, the Association of World Citizens took the initiative on May 21, 2004 minus 21 years after the fact. It gave Colonel Stanislav Petrov their World Citizen Award, a trophy and $1,000 check. They again stepped forward in 2006, with a special World Citizen Award, when Mr. Petrov traveled to the U.S., where the United Nations bestowed honors upon him. Here, in New York City, CBS journalist Walter Cronkite interviewed Mr. Petrov. That Cronkite interview has been included with others in a now-completed filmed documentary titled The Man Who Saved the World. According to Wikipedia, Germany stepped forward and awarded Mr. Petrov the Dresden Prize 2013 and $32,000, on February 17, 2013. On February 24, 2012, the Germans awarded him the 2011 German Media Award. Sidebar number 4. Coup d'etat In this system of thought, God could and still can, basically, be seen and approached, but never reached. This is virtually, identically the same stratagem that was employed by the Pharisees of old. The law of Moses was taught, but, overshadowed by the, traditions of men. This was the accusation levied by Jesus himself. So likewise, today, the Bible is held high in every religious arena but, in the end it is sectarian, denominational thinking and so-called Christian worldviews that ultimately rule and control the hearts and minds of parishioners in these last of days. It is a system that seems to recognize and accept the fact that ultimately, God cannot be shut down entirely, forever, though his work can be frustrated and successfully short-circuited, perhaps indefinitely, where men serve him in a multiplicity of ways, but never get to know him per his word, the Bible. Thus, Babylon the Great currently controls his churches, through the employment of a strategy that has all the trappings of a divide and conquer mentality. They, the Protestant churches, now known as evangelicals and fundamentalists, were functional but divided and defeated when they arrived in the early 1600s, having split from the Anglican version of her mother, they have been contentious, divided, and defeated ever since. Hereby, she effectively precludes any possibility that he might disappear from her sight only to re-emerge, coming back from who knows where, with a greater force than ever void of her control and limitations. Although many on foreign shores can see her dire need for the very thing she professes to preach, none can bring it to her, given that they have no knowledge beyond what she has exported to them. Thus, her ruse has worked. Like her mother, the harlot, chapter 17, and the ancient Pharisees, with their system of, then, oral, teachings known as the Talmud, Today, being written, she has been highly successful in her bid to thwart the work of God Almighty. He is locked out of his own churches white, black, etc. All his Christian schools are subject to her sway. It might be called a classic implementation of psychology and reverse psychology the ultimate, bloodless, spiritual, coup d'etat. All the earthly pillars of his presence are in place. However, it is she who roosts upon them. She deserves kudos, right? Her mother in the Vatican City must be so proud, as she works feverishly to reign in all of her bastard siblings, including their surrogate mom, the Anglican Church of England. Sidebar number 5. Wake up calls to all of America and to its American churches. The US has received many over the past 105 years. 1. The Great Depression. Its strong economic system is anything but fail-safe. 2 fuel crisis of then and now. During the 70s it was a greedy hoax perpetrated by the big oil companies who thought that they could afford to even waste it by the truckloads, by dumping it in the desert. So as to extort higher prices from US consumers. Today, with consumption at an all-time high, a gluttonous need, much greater than any other nation on earth. Even Russia, which is 2.5 times the size, serviced by only 4% of the world's supply within its own shores, Funny though it may well be, it is no joke, nor is it a laughing matter. To a church of discernment, it should be crystal clear that, the God of all heaven and earth has so stacked the deck that this need is now tied directly to international markets and supplies, to burst its arrogant bubble. 3. Corporate ripoffs. Corporate downsizing 70s and 80s. Jobs shipped overseas. Illegal immigration welcomed. Skilled educated aliens brought in ostensibly to fill an otherwise unfillable void. Thrift junk bonds in the 80s. Exaggerated expectations and inflated revenues in the 90s. MCI, WorldCom, Quest, Enron, etc., etc., to include the 50 billion madoff rip-off, December 20, 08. All these represent fine exhibitions before the eyes of the world of a proliferation of corrupt, greedy corporate bosses and politicians, whom ultimately no one can trust, and now, more recently, for the American housing boom gone bust that has, not just U.S. banks, but banks all around the world in trouble. But, for the American system of justice, none might ever have been brought to justice for their misdeeds. Sidebar number 6. Sidebar. For such a time as this. Consider God's words to Pharaoh during the Exodus. I will separate the land of Goshen, so that no flies will appear there. The object being to teach you, so that you will know that I am the Lord and not you, by implication, since Pharaoh was revered as a, God, in the midst of the earth, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon your heart, as well as upon your servants and your people. So that you may know that there is none like me, and, very much so indeed, I raised you up for exactly this reason, so that I could show you my power, and so that my name can be declared, or, made known, throughout the earth. Exodus chapter 8 verse 22, nine fourteen and to the Russians, in Ezekiel, you will come up, because, I will bring you up in the last days against my land, so that the heathen, doubters and unbelievers of other nations, will know me, when I am set apart in you, O Gog, before their very eyes, are you not he of whom I spoke in old time by my servants the prophets of Israel, who prophesied in those days, for many years, that I would bring you against them? Ezekiel chapter 38 verses 16-17 see also Daniel chapter 4 verse 17, 5 18, 21. And that concludes this edition of the Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Please stay tuned for the next podcast, episode number 23. Until then, God bless and keep you.